Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 93. It seems like nothing strikes fear into Royal Caribbean cruisers quite like these two words, formal night. Confusion and anxiety are the typical responses I read about in emails that are sent to me and message boards posts all over the internet. So this week, I wanted to talk all about formal night and explain what you need to know about this tradition and what it really means to you today. Here we go. Ah, formal night. It's the topic that everyone loves to discuss, and I'll tell you, if you ever start a website about cruising and you want some surefire way of getting lots of traffic, talk about formal night, because everyone's got an opinion on it, and certainly, you know, I think part of the problem is by the fact that Royal Caribbean kind of keeps it vague. I'm not sure if it's on purpose or what the case may be, but this is one of these topics that just seems to come up over and over again, and you know what? Maybe it's for good reason, so I wanted to discuss this week, especially because I was inspired for this week's episode, if you will, by one of my friends, Jillian Hoffman, who wrote to me and asked me about, it says, Matt, talk to me. What the heck do I pack for this cruise? How formal are the formal nights, and how casual are the rest of the nights? And you know what? I think Jillian's question is pretty much what a lot of people go through, especially first-time cruisers, but even people that are new to Royal Caribbean. And you know what? I'm betting there's still other people who've been on Royal Caribbean cruises before, but still struggle with this notion of what to do with formal night. I'm not sure why it gives people such anxiety about planning their cruise. I probably shouldn't be, considering it's only for a couple of hours each evening at most, and the rest of the time you can wear whatever you want. But alas, it's something fun to discuss, and hey, that's what we're here for, right? So let's talk about formal night and what to wear and all that stuff. All right, so let's begin with what formal night is. So on Royal Caribbean cruises, on select nights, and this doesn't include, by the way, we should mention ships that have dynamic dining because on there, there are no more formal nights. So this is all for every other ship in the fleet, uh, which as the recording of this podcast is everything except for the quantum class. This probably will change as we go forward, but want to throw that out there. Okay, so on your cruises, there's going to be a select formal or formal nights uh, during your cruise. For a seven-night cruise, you're probably going to have two formal nights on your cruise, usually the second night and like the fifth night or so. It depends on the cruise. You'll be told about it via the cruise compass. It's pretty straightforward. Now, what formal night means is on those nights, there is a different dress code. On all nights of the cruise, there is usually the basic dress code, which is usually casual. Sometimes it's smart casual. What this means is for the main dining room, there is a certain dress code expected if you want to dine there. If you're dining at one of the specialty restaurants, they always have their own dress code that supersedes whatever the ship has. But this is only for the main dining room. If you're eating in the Windjamer, if you're not, if you're eating at Sorrento's, anywhere else, basically, if you're just getting a snack somewhere else, it doesn't apply to you. You don't have to wear a dress code or uh, apply the dress code just to walk around the ship. It's most, it's only for the main dining room. And basically what it's saying is that if you want to eat there, you're going to have to dress a certain way. On most nights, that basically means you're not wearing like shorts or, you know, swimsuits, tank tops, hats, that kind of thing. They're trying to make it a little nice. And this is definitely something that comes from the yesteryears of cruising. And it's it's very much a maritime tradition at this point. So most nights, again, it's mostly you can wear you can wear jeans, you can wear uh, a nice shirt, you know, I always say, you know, polo shirt, a nice jeans, you know, jeans that don't have holes in them, uh, you know, khakis for, that's for men, obviously for women. I mean, it could be, you know, a nice dress. It could be, it could be jeans and a nice shirt as well. I mean, a blouse, you know, whatever, basically just something you wouldn't wear to the pool deck essentially. And for formal night, it gets upped a little bit from there. And, you know, the, the definition is a little 
cumbersome. But I, I think, first of all, you have to understand that, first and foremost, you don't have to dress up at all for on any night of the cruise. This is only for the main dining room. So if you're someone who doesn't eat in the main dining room, then you don't have to worry about this. But if you are in the main dining room, then that's when you're going to have to adhere to them. And, of course, this is where the discussion comes into play. So what does that mean? What does adhering mean? Because I'm sure we can get lots of stories from people saying they were on this cruise and they were in the main dining room or wherever. And the dress code was X and they saw someone wearing something else. Shorts. Uh, you know, a T-shirt, uh, you know, kids wearing a hat, perhaps, whatever the case may be. I think part of the problem and part of the reason why it's so widely debated is because the rules aren't very effectively enforced. They are enforced, and I think I've seen times when they've been enforced, and I've seen other times where they've not been enforced. That's maybe part of the problem. I mean, if you know the rules aren't going to be enforced, some people don't really go for them. And and I think for a lot of other people, it's it's some people get insulted by it, frankly. They, they get dressed up on formal night, and if they're in the main dining room and someone else is not adhering to the rules, it bothers them. Should it bother them? That's a different story. But the thing is, some people are bothered. Some people aren't bothered by it. I think, for me, I internalize it as what does me and my family want to do. We like getting dressed up formal night purely because we like the idea of, A, getting dressed up in general for not something other than a funeral or someone else's wedding, like it's some, it's it's basically like you know we're not going to proms anymore, so we don't have an opportunity these days to really get dressed up. So cruising is one of those opportunities, and on top of it, it's also when you get dressed up, it's a great opportunity to take good family photos, and we enjoy it too. I mean, it's something that I know when I was on Quantum of the Seas this past March, of course that's a ship that does not have formal night. I only packed moderately dressy clothes, and my wife said, well. You know, she said to me after she saw what I was packing, says, if I was going on the ship with you, you'd be packing a lot more stuff because we're going to, you know, she enjoys formal night and and we, she likes having that kind of an experience. And, you know, I can't say I blame her. I enjoy it as well. But I think that's kind of where the, the issue comes in. So when we're talking about formal night, I think you have to understand that what that means. It does not mean you have to wear a tuxedo. That doesn't mean you have to wear a suit. And that does not mean you have to wear a ball gown. You can wear all those things, and you're more than welcome to, and in some cases, you're encouraged to. But the reality is you don't have to go to those lengths. You can absolutely get away for men on formal night to wear simply a collared shirt and a nice pair of pants, you know, and shoes, obviously. But, you know, that's basically all you have to do. That's the minimum requirement. That'll most likely get you in all every single time. You, do you have to wear a jacket? No. Can you wear a jacket? Absolutely. Do I wear a jacket? Most of the time, yeah, I do wear a jacket, but that's because I think it matches my pants better, and it's just I'm bringing them anyway. What's what, why not, right? And the good thing about suits is I get to reuse them. For ladies, you know, it's it's really about just you know you can get away with a nice cocktail dress. Even you know these days, I mean, a nice a nice blouse and and pair of pants and nice jeans. I mean, you know, I say nice jeans to me. Maybe this is more of my generation thing. There are such thing as nice jeans and there are regular jeans. And nice jeans mean the kind of jeans you would wear out somewhere. Um, but it's basically, you know, it's not like you have to recreate a scene out of the Titanic film. It's not anywhere like that. And there are some people that will dress up like that. There are lots of people who will go for the tuxedo. Some people that are members of the military and they'll dress up in, in full military regalia. And it's, it's wonderful. And it's really nice to do. And, you know, I kind of, part of me wishes that I would bring a whole suit with me and, and go quite up to that level, you know, maybe rent the tuxedo, but Odds are we often don't go that way. I think it's important to understand just that you don't have to worry necessarily about feeling you're like you're underdressed as long as you maintain, again, those minimums of what you're going to be doing. And it's basically for formal night, especially, I think you can get away with the sort of clothing you might wear to, say, a religious service or perhaps, you know, we just had Mother's Day last weekend. If you're going to go visit your 
mom at a particular gathering with other, you know, family gathering. Maybe that's the kind of thing you might wear. I don't know about your family gatherings. Maybe <laughs> you all wear shorts and and have and let loose. Hey, more power to you. But you know, it's something you basically would wear to a nice occasion where you want to, you know, wear something a little different than you might wear on a regular Saturday morning. I think that's really what they're trying to do. And they're also trying to root out people that might be wearing the same thing that might be wearing to say the pool or you know, one of the sports decks. It's it's an idea that this is somewhere different and this is somewhere where you can, you know, have a little, it's a, it, it's a different experience. Now, I've mentioned that the Quantum Class ships or basically any ships that have dynamic dining instituted on them have a different rule set. And that basically follows as this way. If you're on one of these ships, there is no formal night, but there is still a regular dress code in that you have, you know, casual dress codes, right? But there's no set formal night unless you're dining at, say, one of the specialty restaurants or the Grand, in which the Grand is always formal night. And in these cases, you're going to have the opportunity to, you know, again, have it dress up a little bit more. But, you know, by and large, you're really not going to be doing more than, you know, what would be otherwise known as casual dress code on other ships. It's basically just Again, casual to me is just saying you can't wear something you wore to the pool. It should be something a little nicer. Do kids wear shorts? Absolutely. Do men wear shorts? I've seen it. Yes. Can they wear tank tops? I think the answer to that is no. Uh, in fact, I know my my we were at the main dining room for, I'm not sure if it was breakfast or lunch. My father-in-law was wearing a tank top because he came down from the pool deck and he was informed, I'm sorry, sir, you can't come in. You have to go change. And he went back and changed. But, you know, the rules are enforced sometimes. I think some people just see that you know it's not enforced all the time or more maybe more importantly people have their own interpretations of the rules and then are you know when they're not enforced they kind of say well well you know if i'm following the rules why isn't everyone else following the rules and i think that's really where it comes down to in terms of this debate that's out there and you'll find this debate everywhere if you go to royalcaribbeanblog.com you go to the message boards boy you'll find <laughs> some threads there to discuss it and if you go to other messages you know obviously cruise critic is a big one you go there you're gonna find tons of of threads that talk about you know the the dress codes and and what you have to know and you know people that you know say that ah you gotta dress up you got you know you should be following the rules and other people saying that nah, don't worry about it you know you're being old-fashioned and you know i think part of and i said this earlier i think part of it is that royal caribbean does not effectively enforce the rule across the board I mean, if you read the rules, and I'm looking at Royal Caribbean's website right now, and it says, for formal nights, here's what they recommend. For ladies, cocktail dress or pantsuit, gentlemen, suit, black tie optional. Now, if I read that right off the bat, I'm going to tell you that that sounds to me like, you know, for men, I got to wear a suit. I've got to wear a jacket with, you know, black tie is optional, which means I still got to wear a tie. It's just a question if it's going to be, you know, a black tie kind of an affair. And for ladies, you're wearing basically what you might have worn to your senior prom. But... In reality, anyone's been on a Royal Caribbean cruise will tell you that's absolutely not the case in terms of what's required. These are just suggestions, and you know what, what a lot of people find is that it's. I think more people just end up wearing far more casual clothing, and it, it's kind of interesting to figure out where that line in the sand is. And I and like I said, I don't think Royal Caribbean effectively defines it because, like I said earlier, I mentioned nice jeans, right? And I'm not sure that's really a, a good a, the right phrase, but. Basically, jeans that are, you know, they're the jeans that probably have a, uh, that come from a certain brand that are more than, say, $20 and, you know, have, don't have holes in them and are, are fairly fashion forward. And, and these days, jeans are very fashionable, especially for going out. If you go to any clubs, if you go to dinners out there, you're going to see a lot of men wearing jeans. And it doesn't say jeans on there. It doesn't prohibit jeans by any means, but is that included or not? And, you know, going back to shorts, are shorts okay? And, 
a lot of people are going to have different rules on that. I'm going to read all Royal Caribbean says is nope. Swimsuits, robes, bare feet, tank tops, baseball caps, and pool wear are not allowed in the main dining room or especially restaurants. That's it. They do mention t-shirts, shorts, and flip-flops are acceptable for lunch. But we're talking about dinner here usually because, of course, the formal nights and, and really the dress codes in general only apply to dinner. So are shorts okay? And and that's the thing that's really tough to kind of figure out. And I think that's why a lot of people have different interpretations of it. Because if you read that formal night thing I just said, hey, that sounds like you got to be wearing, you know, something out of the Titanic. But I don't I know from from experience, that's not the case. And you absolutely do not have to wear a suit as a, as a, as a man. And you absolutely do not have to wear a cocktail dress or even a pantsuit for ladies. I mean, you, there's very much, much more leeway in that. And so perhaps that's what, you know, maybe perhaps a, a venue like a podcast like this can, can offer you in the sense that you don't have to worry necessarily about it. So I think when you're looking at your dress codes, here's what you have to understand. Bottom line is, don't worry about them. They're not as bad as they seem. You're not going to be ostracized from the, the ship for being underdressed. If these rules exist, they are suggestions, but you're not going to be punished. If the worst case scenario that's ever going to happen is they're going to ask you to go back and change into something else, in which case you may decide to go eat somewhere else in the first place. But I think, again, the only time that's going to happen is you're wearing something like tank top. You're wearing maybe something you would have worn to the pool, you know, flip flops. But even for ladies, you can wear flip flops. That's absolutely you know, uh, a fashion trend these days, you know, hats, those are not cool. Basically things you would wear to the pool. It's the best way I can generalize them, but these are not things you have to worry about in general. And I think most people are smart enough to not have to you know, worry about wearing that to maybe the main dining room. And there are a lot of other places on the ship to eat if you're not interested in it, or if you're, if you'll, you know, wait too nervous about it, or you're, you know, you say, Matt, I, I hear what you're saying, but gosh, darn it. I've just, I'm not certain 100% and I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm going to feel nervous. So, you know, what are my other options? And of course, you could always overdress. Number one, if that makes you make it easier on yourself, bring, you know, for men, bring a suit every day and you'll never have a problem. Ladies bring a ball gown every night. You'll never have a problem. I guarantee you, you'll be the most, if anything, you'll be overdressed over everyone else. But hey, that's all right. It's a cruise ship. It's almost expected. Let me tell you, if I see someone wearing a tuxedo on any night of the ship, I don't even bat an eye because it's like, hey, we're on a cruise ship. Makes total sense. And, of course, the other alternative is you don't have to eat in the main dining room. You can go to the Windjammer. You can go down to the Royal Promenade or the Royal Esplanade and dine over there. There are especially restaurants as well. You know, not all of them have special dress codes. I mean, Johnny Rockets, you can go there. There's no dress code to eat there. So you do have other options, and you shouldn't feel like you're just, let's main dining room or I'm going to starve for the night. Definitely not the case. So I think the key is enjoy your Royal Caribbean cruise without worrying about what you'll be wearing at any given time. And on the other side of things, if someone else is wearing something you might not approve of, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Well, you know, it's it shouldn't really bother you all that much as long as they're following the basic rules. And I think most people are. It's it's really not a big deal. And that's about as much as I can tell you about it. But of course, if you have thoughts about the dress codes and formal light in general on Royal Caribbean ships, I'd love to hear about it because, of course, everyone's got an opinion on this. So you can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and we can discuss some of your thoughts on formal nights on Royal Caribbean. Once again, I want to say thank you to everybody who's checking out the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You guys make this really worth doing every single week. I love it because I love talking Royal Caribbean with all of you. And, you know, we've gotten such great feedback. We're going to get to that in a second. We actually have some housekeeping to take care of. First and foremost, I haven't mentioned it. I mentioned it in passing, but I haven't really mentioned it recently formally. So I'm going to do this right here. And, of course, I want to remind all of our listeners and invite 
all of you to join me on our next group cruise, and it's going to be on Allure of the Seas uh, on February 21st, 2016. This is coming up next year. This is going to be a great cruise. We had such a good time on Quantum of the Seas in the first group cruise we ever did that I wanted to do it again. And we were, I was on board the ship, and I was like, we need to book something because I want to have this kind of fun one more time at least, if not more. So we booked Allure of the Seas. February 21st, 2016. This is a seven-night cruise leaving out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's a seven-night Western Caribbean going to Labadee, Falmouth, and Cozumel. It's going to be so much fun on there. The largest cruise ship in the world. And all of you, our Royal Caribbean fans are going to be on there. And I can't wait to meet every one of you and hang out. That's what's so much fun about it, right? Like, you know, maybe we'll be at a bar one night. Maybe we'll be at Sabor. <laughs> I think I'll be there pretty much every night. Izumi, man, how am I going to choose between that? Now that I think about it, this is a good... I, I didn't think about this. How am I going to handle my dining options if I'm going to have choose between Sabor and Izumi? It's like choosing between my children. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to figure it out between now and then. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And then that's what it's about. It's about experiencing a Royal Caribbean cruise with other people who really get it and other Royal Caribbean fans. And you know what? These are all fun people. I'll be there. And boy, I'll tell you, we had such a good time. I want to invite you. So if you have even the slightest inkling of possibly making this cruise, now is a great time to book because they got some great rates right now for this cruise. It's again, uh, February 21st. And if you want more details, go to royalcaribbeanblog.com. I'll also post a show note, link in our show notes to the group cruise information for you to be able to book. And you get a nice quote there, completely 100% free quote. You don't have to worry about no obligation. And you kind of price things out, see how it's going to go. But I think this will be a fun time. And I want as many of you to join me as possible because I think it's such a great time. And the other thing, speaking of joining me, I also want to invite everybody to join me on a very special occasion, in fact, because we're right now we're in episode 93. And coming up is our 100th episode. And I thought, you know what? It's about time we celebrate that and just have a good time together. You may remember we did last year. We celebrated the one-year anniversary of the podcast, which was like episode 52. And... This, this year, with the 100th episode coming up, I thought, you know what? This is an opportunity to not only celebrate, but also to have a live show where all of you call in and chat with me online. It's, it's a great time, I'll tell you, and I'm hoping that many of you can join us. It's going to be on Wednesday, July 1st, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Wednesday, July 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern. Basically, it's 100% free. All you have to do is just go to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com on July 1st, and you go there, and you'll see a nice little video pop up, and we'll be talking Royal Caribbean together. You can chat with us in the chat room. You can call in. It's going to be a really great time, and I'm hoping that you'll be able to join us for that. And so basically that week, our episode will be live. How cool is that, right? I mean, I record them all live for you anyway, but now you'll be able to call in. You'll be part of the show, and this is my way of saying thank you because I love how much each and every one of you helps make this podcast so much better with your questions, with your comments, with your thoughts. I mean, I I love just, I love the emails. I love the tweets, Facebook messages. You guys are awesome. So uh, Wednesday, July 1st, 8 p.m. I'll post a link in our show notes to our Facebook event page. That way you can get a nice little update. It'll remind you, and that way you'll be there and won't miss the event at all. And of course, speaking of our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friends that are on this podcast, we have some great reviews that people have left on iTunes for the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And each and every week, I make an opportunity. I don't make an opportunity. I take the opportunity to thank each and every one of you who leave these because I think if you take the time to write them, I'll take the time to read them. We've actually got four for you to read this, for me to read to you this week, starting with J-Man GSC. Matt, thanks so much for the great info you share through the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast each week. I really like how you strike a balance between the variety of topics covered without compromising the depth of information we provide on each. 
My wife and I will be sailing on Harmony of the Seas, made in Transatlantic in October 2016, and look forward to learning more about the Transatlantic cruises from your podcast, as this will be our first. We also hope you will cover more about the new ship when it launches later this year. Also, I listened to your podcast while running in South Carolina, and the thoughts of relaxing on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship makes <laughs> helps me endure some of my training runs. Thanks for the great podcast. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And I, you know, where the, uh, Harmony of the Seas is going to be a wonderful ship there. So we'll definitely have a lot more coverage of that coming up as we get closer to it. We've also got a review from Ahon119. I am planning my first Royal Caribbean cruise on Freedom of the Seas for October of 2016. It's a long ways off, but Matt and this podcast are teaching me all about Royal Caribbean and what to expect on their ships. I've been on Princess of Carnival before. Not only that, but it keeps me excited for my trip that is still so far off in the future. Each time I listen, I'm reminded that my trip is another week closer. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. That's really nice of you. Uh, next, we have a review from Brandon Elder. Such a great show. I'm a frequent cruiser. I've taken nine cruises in the past, and in June of this year, I'll be experiencing my very first Royal Caribbean cruise, and I have been listening to this podcast nonstop the past few weeks so I can learn anything and everything about cruising with Royal Caribbean. Matt, you do an amazing job covering all subjects. I feel like I'll be able to find my way around the ship and experience everything I need to on and off. One thing I'm still on the fence about is if I want to purchase the drink package. But one thing to, I know is certain is that I'm going to go to Chops Grill. It seems to be the fan favorite. Thank you for all the hard work on this podcast. And I look forward to drinking my first Labadoozy. P.S. You speak very fast most times, but sometimes you speak a little too fast and turn four words into one. And it's a little hard to understand. A little enunciation goes a long way. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm trying. I promise you, Brandon, I'm trying to enunciate every syllable for you. But I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for the review. And our last review this week is from Snoopy underscore. Not the Snoopy. It's just Snoopy underscore. So obviously not the same. Not the Snoopy. <laughs> this is one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to on any topic. It's informative, funny, and charming. And I find myself in great anticipation for each week's release. The structure of the show is very smart. Introducing new topics or changes to Royal Caribbean programs. Interviews with smart career cruisers, Royal Caribbean officials, travel agents, and ends with listener emails. I became so addicted I went back and listened to all the shows just to get my fill. The host, Matt, really makes the show special. He is very warm and inviting, and his love of all things Royal Caribbean and cruising is contagious. Too contagious. I'm now booking multiple cruises a year and Matt's group cruise in February 2016. If you like cruising or want to cruise, this is a great podcast for you. Wow, great review, and I'm so excited, actually. The thing I took away from your review was that you're going on the group cruise with us in February. That's awesome, Snoopy. I can't wait to meet you, and this is going to be such a fun time, I'll tell you. Boy, we've got some good plans for that cruise, and I'm hoping you'll be able to join us for it. Very good. Time to answer your listener emails. Of course, I, as you heard in the review, that's what I do every week, and I love doing it. Actually, you know, the topics are always great. Talk, reading the reviews, I love it because it, you know, it's very redeeming, but I'll tell you, I love, love, love the most is the questions because I love reading these emails and it's basically, and I've said this before, this is kind of my way of virtually talking with you on here and we get to talk Royal Caribbean together. So what, how, what more could you ask for really? Let's start with an email from Dennis who writes, Matt, what can I say? Another great podcast as usual. I must say we enjoy dynamic dining far more than we anticipated. I think the food was about two steps above what Royal Caribbean food usually is. We sailed on March 1st after more staff and assistant waiters were added. Our service was excellent in both complimentary and specialty restaurants. Now the complaint. We made all of our reservations about eight months prior to the cruise. When we boarded and entered our cabin, every single restaurant reservation was listed on the TV just as we had reserved. Although, we spent many hours online with, with a Royal Caribbean website that was so slow and took forever, and they did not hold some of our reservations. We then called and spent about an hour on the phone to finalize all of our reservations. Anyway, 
After we toured the quantum of the seas after lunch, we came back to the cabin to see a typed message on our bed saying the ship requires dining reservations that we had none of them. Well, they were all on the TV. I had even more confirmations as well as my printed calendar. So we were Diamond Plus. We marched to the concierge for help. Even though I had my documentation and were all correctly posted on the TV, the concierge confirmed that they, we had, in fact, no reservations. The restaurants had no record of them either. After two hours of the concierge, all were corrected, but what a mess and what a way to start a vacation. Their computer system must be improved. No excuses for this. And then on top of it, we had to rearrange some of the entertainment. I think scheduling all the dinners and reservations is nerve-wracking and not good unless their computer system is improved. I'm a loyal Royal customer and love their ships, service, etc. Once this is corrected, we had no waits at any dining venue and did not leave a bad taste, which took us about two days to forget. There was so much pre-planning that it was all lost. I am very much looking forward to diving down in classic for our anthem cruise. Thanks for listening. Wishing you smooth sailing. That's a great email, Dennis. And you know what? I think you, I think you were absolutely right to be upset with how things went down, especially when you when you're looking at the TV, you're looking at your reservations that you printed out, and you have them listed there, and then you get this message that you don't have anything. Obviously, a computer snafu. And I'm glad that Royal Caribbean took the time to fix it for you. Should have taken two. Should have happened in the first place. Absolutely not. Should have taken two hours. No, it should have been a very very quick fix. But I'm glad that you stuck with it and you did get it fixed and taken care of. And it sounds like you were able to then enjoy the rest of your cruise. And, you know, I I think this is all I can say. There's no defending it. And I think you're absolutely right. There's no excuse for something like that to happen to anybody. It shouldn't happen. But I will say that I feel like their system in general is getting better, especially with the new cruise plan. I remember when it first came out and, and Dennis, you probably remember this too, because you booked well in advance like I did on Quantum, that... The system when it first came out was really buggy. I mean, it would just, you know, you go to a restaurant, you go to book something, and you get some weird error, and that was it. You never, <laughs> you're locked out for the rest of the night. I mean, it was just, it was really bad. I'll admit it. But in the time since, it's gotten better and better and better. And I can't remember, you know, between making changes to my Quantum Cruise and looking forward to my upcoming cruises, I haven't run into any bugs. Knock on wood, not to jinx myself, but I feel like they absolutely are aware of the problem, and they've been working to fix it and make it a whole lot better. So I'm I'm really hopeful that the system in general is going to improve as we move forward. And, you know, it's important that we remind them if we see problems, hey, this is not acceptable. And on top of it, you know, when it does work out well, then, hey, we're going to be able to take advantage of it. We're going to have an even better time. So, Dennis, thank you for the email. Great, uh, great topic and and, and really an, an important thing to hit upon. I'm glad you shared that with us. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy, who writes in episode 89, Dynamic Dining Review. Dining, one of our favorite things to do while cruising. Dynamic dining is a very innovative approach, and I'm looking forward to experiencing this soon. Normal formal nights, thank you, Royal Caribbean. We've been cruising long enough to experience the formal dress codes of tuxedos and gowns in the past to the more current, less formal approach. I certainly will dress properly for dinner. However, having a choice of when and where is a tremendous improvement, and Dynamic Dining hits the mark. Dynamic Dining Classic sounds perfect for our needs, and we look forward to experiencing all the different versions until and when Royal Caribbean settles on a final product. That's, I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Christopher. Uh, I'm with you. We experienced the old style. We've now seen Dynamic Dining, and I'm really excited for Dynamic Dining Classic. I think it's the perfect blend of what I'm looking for. I love the idea of the, the rotational dining and still having kind of the same weights every night, having the same table mates every night. To me, that is... That, that is what's going to make a really great cruise experience, especially for dinner. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm hoping they really, uh, really, you know, hit it out of the ballpark with with the Dynamic Dining Classic. So we'll have to see. Next, we have an email from Chris from Hoffman Estate, Illinois. Hi, Matt. Excited to say we just turned platinum status. I know it's a small milestone, but it's an accomplishment. 
We gained our new status from our recent seven-day cruise on Serenade of the Seas left out in New Orleans. Great port, incredibly fast customs, close to the airport, and extremely close to the French Quarter if you're looking for a quick hurricane or beignets. What I found most interesting is how long it takes to get to the Gulf of Mexico from New Orleans. Ten hours? I thought it was closer. A few months back, I asked for advice on what to expect from this class of ship. Well, I'm happy to report that it is amazing. I can really feel the personality of the ship. Tons of glass with views, elegant details, and charm. My favorite feature was the Park Cafe. It was always seen to be open, 2 a.m. free hangover pizza, and the sandwiches and snacks were perfectly filling. Overall, an amazing experience. Which leads me to my question. After being on a quaint, charming ship, I'm concerned about our next cruise on Oasis of the Seas. Will it be too much? My concern is that it will feel like there's over 5,000 people on the ship fighting for space. Overperformances, painfully long lines departing and boarding the ship. Am I overthinking it? I've sailed larger ships before, like Freedom and Navigator, but nothing this large. As always, your mindful input and words of wisdom are greatly appreciated. That's a really good question. And, you know, certainly if you're coming from a ship like Serenade of the Seas, and you're now going to go to Oasis of the Seas, I think it's a fair concern to have. I will tell you that it is unfounded concern because I think of all the ships, of the large ships, the Oasis class really does an amazing job of managing crowds. I think I talked about this before on the podcast, but it's absolutely true. The way they manage crowds on that ship is unparalleled and I think it even it's still better than the way that crowds are managed, say, on the Freedom class or the Quantum class because the neighborhood concept, I think, is a very underrated crowd control mechanism and I think they've really done a phenomenal job with that. So when you're on that ship, are you going to be there with more people? Absolutely. But on board, I don't think you're really going to feel it. I think you, they do a good job of crowd control and informing you of where the crowds are with the restaurant crowd indicators that you have a really good idea of what to expect. And, you know, when, when I was on Oasis of the Seas, I never experienced that kind of sensation of like, oh, gosh, I'm here and we're I'm just standing in line everywhere and it's, it's taking forever. And, you know, it's just I feel like I'm in a mall. Absolutely not. That was never the case for me. And I, and I, you know what? A lot of other people who've been on these kinds of ships will tell you the same thing, that even though you're on a really large ship with a lot of people, it just doesn't feel like it. So kudos to Royal Caribbean for doing that. And that's the best I can tell you. But I would not worry about it because it's going to be an amazing experience. I think you're going to love Oasis. I think you're going to, while you had a really great time on Serenade of the Seas, I think you're going to have a, a very different awesome time on Oasis because they're just different animals. But that doesn't mean you both can't be really, really great and i think it's just as simple as that so i would say chris don't worry about it i think you're gonna have a great time in fact the especially embarkation debarkation in in port everglades they built the facility special just for this ship so they've got in mind what to handle and how to do it and and you know what i think you're going to be perfectly fine so enjoy the cruise and i also uh, thank you very much by the way chris for sending an email about you know a follow-up email just kind of detailing what worked and what didn't work and what you enjoyed about the ship you know a lot of times we hear about the first part right it's like hey man i'm going on you know this ship and i'm worried about you know blank uh-huh. and you know i give you my advice and my thoughts and you know if you when you come back let us know how it went was i right maybe i like hearing i'm right don't get me wrong <laughs> but but a lot of times maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong and or maybe you observe something that wasn't covered or something else that was you know none of us thought about hey let's share that information so love it chris thank you for emailing me and our last email today comes from Michael Vital, who writes, Matt, as much as I look, I'm not seeing any seven-day itineraries to Bermuda that would offer three to three and a half nice days in Bermuda, the most beautiful spot on the planet. I'm seeing five days out of New Jersey and Baltimore, and seven days that include a stop in Boston, Bermuda, and Boston? That doesn't even sound right. I think I've done a seven-day Bermuda cruise out of New York back in the day. If I remember correctly, it was on Empress of the Seas. Am I not seeing something? 
So the answer is, Michael, you're not missing something. That actually is the case. I looked over myself because I was kind of surprised when I read your email. And the truth is, yeah, they're only offering for overnight cruises. You've got the five-night cruises that leave on, say, uh, at 9th of the seas out in New Jersey. And those go and have a two-night stay in the island of Bermuda. But I'm not seeing any seven nights that just strictly go to Bermuda. There is a one weird one, and I agree. It goes from... New Jersey and you know, on the Anthem of the Seas goes to Bermuda. It's a seven-night cruise, but then goes to Boston, which is kind of weird, to say the least. It comes back to New Jersey in the end. So you go to the Bermuda for two nights, then go up to Boston, do a day in Boston, and then come back. Basically, so I guess people want a slightly longer cruise, but I guess that time of year, it's not a bad idea to go to Boston anyway. But there are no just seven-night cruises that leave out of New York and just go to Bermuda and then back. There are seven-night cruises that go out of Baltimore, and do that. Of course, you can do that in Grandeur of the Seas, and they've got seven night cruises that they also have nine night cruises as well. And these are in 2015 and 2016. But it seems like Royal Caribbean, at least for the short term, has gotten rid for this year of strictly the seven night cruises that go out of New Jersey, go to Bermuda, and come back. Maybe that'll be changing in the future. I'm not sure. But the other thing is, I mean, looking at these cruises for the five nights, and there's also Liberty of the Seas as well, we should mention, that's also going out of New Jersey and doing the same itinerary five nights to Bermuda and back. Those are actually fairly inexpensive. I'm looking, I mean, just they start at $4.79 for a five-night Bermuda cruise. That's not bad, especially out of New York. You know, no airfare required for those of us in the, here in the Northeast. So not a bad deal. That's for the October 17th sailing for those of you who want to book that one. Um, so, yeah, Michael, I guess they're uh, changing things up a little bit here, but maybe we'll see it come back in the future. It's hard to say. They are, they're always changing. Itinerary. There's one thing that's always changing real quickly. It's their de- the deployment plans and their itineraries because they just work on that constantly to fine-tune it. They are never happy, it seems, with just leaving it as is because they just, I guess there's money to be made and that's what they're going to do. So, Thank you very much, Michael. And of course, thank you to everyone who left us these wonderful emails. And if you want to have your email read here, I love to read them. So whether you have a question about Royal Caribbean, you have a comment, observation, a funny story, anecdote, whatever the case may be. I just love talking Royal Caribbean. I know you do as well. So email me, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and we'll read them right here on the show. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.